All right. Open door. Ah, a couple minutes late. That's okay. Uh, they're playing this song again. Uh, isn't that a little overplayed, Deidre? Uh, it's so repetitive. Over and over and over. We get the point. They're wearing that? <laughs> and they're on worship team? <laughs> oh, it's on Instagram. Oh. Okay, three things. Yeah. I mean, they say it's fundamental to who they are and everything, but... Oh my gosh, she posted that. She just got on a trip. So cool. <sighs> oh, five waves to give. <laughs> Perfect time. Out of coffee, need a refill and bathroom break. <laughs> Man, am I glad you didn't talk about the preacher. How often are you that person? I mean, really, Jesus is talking to us in the Sermon on the Mount. He is not afraid of getting down and getting personal with us. And how often are you that person? I don't think we really like to think about it. He's going to talk about being careful about judging each other today. How often are we the person that maybe even without thinking about it is doing just that? Maybe it's church. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's any number of things. But so often we're critical of the actions of other people and how we can find fault in them. But we're, we're, we're so kind and generous and, and forgiving and quick to justify our own actions and our own sinfulness. And what Jesus is getting at today is that we've really got to be careful with that. So when it comes to that drama and it comes to worship, how do you approach this time that you set aside in the week, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online? How do you approach it? Are you eager to come to worship for whatever it is that God might have for you? Are you eager and engaged or, or are you a consumer of the worship of other people? Think about that. There's a difference. God says that we should, we should come with anticipation. We should be eager to worship, to, to see what it is that God might have for us. But what's happened in America, because we talk about church shopping or church hopping, we become consumers even of church. And what happens when we have that mindset is that we become a consumer of the worship of other people. And rather than being involved in it, what we do is we grade it. And we hold it against what we've seen and what we like in other places. So are you an eager worshiper? Or are you a consumer of the worship of other people? See, really, we just sang that song, Holy, 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 and, and an engaged worshiper looks at who God is and, and what, is God, what God is doing around them and, and in them and with them. But, but the consumer doesn't do that. The, the consumer is always looking to criticize. They're looking to criticize maybe what someone is wearing or the sound of their voice, the music, the message. Uh-oh. The music, the message, any number of things. They're not there to engage. They're there to, to criticize. What do they like? What they don't like? What do they prefer? What don't they prefer? Which one are you? Are you an eager worshiper who comes with anticipation of what God is going to do with you? Or are you a critical consumer worshiper? I know who we all want to be. We all want to be the eager worshiper. But so often I think that we become the critical person. Last week, we talked about what Jesus had to say about worrying, and basically, he, he said, don't do it. There isn't any need. 
And there isn't any need because we use these things. We don't have to worry about worrying because God has. Thank you. Because, Bill, I know you told me about that last week. So two hops, three. Now you and Howard are going to have to arm wrestle for that one. He's got the whole world in his hands. And all that you and I really can do is to pray and to follow hard after Jesus. If you miss that message, go back and listen to it, and you're going to realize how absolutely not worth your time and effort worrying really is. We think that our worrying is doing us some good, but it really isn't. It's just keeping you awake at night. But then when you you look at where Jesus takes the Sermon on the Mount next, these two things tie together. And, And because we preach them on separate Sundays, we don't always make the connection. There is something that isn't said in Jesus' words, but I'm pretty sure he's expecting us to figure out. See, he talks about how we should trust God and not to worry. Then he tells us not to be judgmental of others. Do you see the connection? Because so often we think that if we don't take care of what someone else is doing wrong, they're going to get away with it and nobody else will. But God says, don't worry. Pastor Patrick has the line that he used is with us. And he says, you know what? All you got to do is stay in your lane. Just worry about the things that you're supposed to worry about. Deal with the things you're supposed to deal with. Take care of the things that are your responsibility and let everybody else have their own lane. And it's such a good way. It's such a good image of dealing with that. So let's spend some time this morning talking about the, the very subtle difference, but the easily confused difference between the gospel and gossip. Because in the church, we get those confused. To share the gospel is to love to talk about Jesus. We're called to do that as Christians. We're called to share the gospel. We're we're called to talk about how much we love Jesus, what he's done for us, and tell other people what it is that he can do for them as well. We're, We're called to share the gospel, to love to talk about Jesus. To share gossip is when we love to talk about other people, whether it's true or not. And so, again, I'm going to ask you, which one are you? Are you someone who is just at a moment's notice ready to tell people about Jesus? Or are you someone who at a moment's notice is ready to get into a conversation, whether it's true or not, about other people? See, sharing the gospel is what every one of us as a Christian is called to do. We should love to tell the truth about Jesus. Unfortunately, people and and Christians are every bit as guilty as non-Christians. People love to talk about other people. We love to talk about what they're doing wrong. We love to talk about their mistakes. We love to talk about the things they're doing they shouldn't. And today Jesus is going to teach us about that. So if you've got your Bible, Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. If we just left it at that, we could spend a couple of hours talking about it. But Jesus goes on, and he says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? Jesus is absolutely clear in his teaching, and yet so many self-righteous, self-appointed, modern-day Pharisees are quick to judge everybody around them as though that's their right and responsibility. Which person are you? Jesus says in verse 5, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to, to, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I read this and I think, can you imagine what it would be like to have Jesus stand in front of you and call you a hypocrite? And, and then to explain it and to realize that you were. 
How can you not take the log out of your own eye? What he's talking about, the big sin that's in your life, the big sin that's in my life, and what we're doing is we're daring to point out the the sin in someone else's life? Could you imagine Jesus standing before you, because he's here talking to his disciples, there's this whole crowd of people. Can you imagine him looking at you straight in the face and say, you hypocrite? I can't imagine. And so I think we've got to really be careful about making sure we get this one right. What, What Jesus is talking about is the idea of taking it upon yourself to point out the sin of another person when you still have sin in your own life is the height of hypocrisy. And yet you and I, we know people who do this all the time, and they do it under the guise of being a caring Christian. They do it under the guise of, it's my responsibility. You know what your responsibility is to love people. Love people to Jesus. Love people into the kingdom. Love people to heaven. Your responsibility isn't to judge people and to pronounce judgment on them. If you're going to criticize and judge or condemn somebody else for their sin, you better really make sure, Jesus says, that you've got all the sin out of your own life. And the fact of the matter is, you and I are always going to have sin in our life, and so we shouldn't be doing that to other people. See, here's the thing, and and being in the church and professional ministry for 20 years, contrary to what I hear from some Christians, What I hear from most people who go to church and from most people who choose not to go to church, the world doesn't need any self-righteous, judge and jury, hypocritical Christians out there. Folks who take that posture aren't making being a Christian look very good because you know the one thing that they're missing across the board every time? They're missing joy and they're missing smiles. I talk to people, and when I ask them, why don't you go to church? Why don't you believe in Jesus? The answer that I get, and somebody said this, and I can totally relate. They said, so many of you Christians look like long-distance runners. I never see you smile. That's true, but I hear people who are long-distance runners. They say they love it. Well, we say as Christians, well, we love it. We don't smile very much about it. What the world doesn't need more of is hypocritical Christians trying to point out to people what it is that they're doing wrong. What the world needs is more disciples who love Jesus with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds who live our lives submitted to him. See, God didn't appoint us judge and jury. That's God's job. But what God did do is entrust the good news of the gospel, not gossip, good news of the gospel to us to share with the world. See, if you're a disciple of Jesus who submitted your life to him and you want his will done in your life, you don't insist on your will anymore. You don't look for what other people are doing wrong. You look for what Jesus is doing right. If you're one of those people who has decided to be a disciple and you're going to follow after Jesus with all you are, he's got this to say, John 13, starting in 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another by this. All people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Which means if we're going to consider judging somebody, it had better be about love only, not about judgment. It had better be about being concerned about them. You're never going to impress anybody. You're never going to impress our Father in heaven by being good or taking joy in or being outspoken in your judging or criticizing others. However, Christians can make quite a statement by loving people well the way Jesus does. If you love people the way that Jesus loves them, that's different. The world isn't used to seeing that. So as Christians, you hear the saying, well, we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. You know what? The Bible says that we get to judge the sin, but we love people. 
You can judge sin. You can recognize sin in someone's life after you've recognized it and dealt with it in your own. But you know what? You still love the people. our, Our job as Christians is to help them, if they've said that they're going to be a follower of Jesus, to help them as they invite us in to be a better follower. Remember, you're a sinner just like the person that you're judging. Do you want your sin thrown out in the street for everybody to see? Of course you don't. I've joked for years about we've got all this incredible technology. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could make a video of all the things that you've done wrong, all the sin you've ever done, all the things you've said you shouldn't, all the people you mistreated or didn't treat, all the things that you've done that you should have and put up the video so that we could watch it in church. Who's going to be the first to volunteer? Nobody. What the world needs is people who love Jesus and live their life that way. As Christians, we judge sin and we love people. That's what we should be focusing on. We clean out the sin of our own life and we realize God, through his Holy Spirit, is going to deal with other people and the sin in their life. And I realize as I put this together, part of what Jesus is talking about is if you don't trust that God will take care of that, you probably still worry too. You probably don't trust that God will take care of the things that you think you have to worry about. That's why Jesus puts these things right back to back together. What we judge is sin. Sin is the thing that separates us from God. We don't judge people. God judges people. God alone is the judge. When we judge sin, it is to help people in love with their walk with Jesus. But you don't get to do that with somebody you don't know any more than someone you don't know gets to come and have that voice to you. It's got to be in a relationship where we know that we already care about each other. So go back to Jesus as our example. I've challenged people to this for years. Point out an example where Jesus talked to someone about their sin and embarrassed them. Give me an example in Scripture where Jesus brought up someone's sin to them and humiliated them. Give me one example in Scripture where Jesus brought up the sin in someone's life and sought to do anything other than to direct them into a stronger relationship with him. You can't. Because he didn't embarrass people, he didn't humiliate people, he loved people. And he recognized their sin was getting in, a way, getting in the way of a relationship with him. He never told them they were going to hell. He always told them, this is how we go to heaven. And that's exactly what we should be doing. Verse 6, Jesus goes on and he says, Don't give dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Jesus is warning us to be discerning. And you, you know the thing we have to be discerning about is this, this thing called tolerance. America has made tolerance a virtue, but, but tolerance isn't a gospel virtue. What Jesus is saying is you've got to recognize sinful actions. We've got to recognize sin and the behavior that follows from it. That's what we need to judge. We need to be aware of it so that we don't waste our efforts on it. We've got to be careful about this whole notion of judging. If you want to live a more peaceful life, Luke 6 says this, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Remember the old saying, if you point out somebody else's problem, you've got three fingers pointing back at you? That's kind of a modern version of what's saying. You know what, if, if, if you want people to treat people well, if you want people to treat you well, treat them well. If you want people to, to stop speaking hate or anger into your life, then stop speaking about people in a hateful, angry way. What Jesus is saying here is it's going to come back and it's going to land in your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
This is serious stuff. And, and, and as believers, we've got to get this right because it's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to be the critical Christian. It's so easy to be the consumer worshiper that comes and just consumes the worship of others and then makes a report of what they do and do not like. And you know what? But we as Christians, for our own sake, for our church, and for the world around us, we need to be better than that. We need to get this one right. Because what Satan does is he causes division and he creates offense. And what happens is that Christians divide from other Christians and we think that we have a reason to. That's not God at work. That's not judging the way the Bible's talking about. That's Satan. The Bible talks about this in a lot of places, what we, what we have going on in America today, the division. Satan doesn't want us to be a church that is united under, under God. Satan wants us to be divided against each other. And we're the ones that have to keep that out of the church. If we don't stop criticizing and judging and gossiping, then God is going to turn us over to the desires that we choose, the actions and the words that we choose. If you don't believe me, Romans 1, 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the, creator, the creature rather than the Creator who's blessed forever. If we continue to fight God, if we continue to be disobedient, if we continue the, the rebellion that God allows us to have in our sinful actions and thoughts and, and, and in judging others and in, in pointing out their sin and not dealing with ours, God is going to let you have that. God's letting our nation have that. And that notion of exchanging the truth about God for a lie you see it everywhere. It's happening in our country. But our call as Christians and our mission at the Open Door Christian Churches is not to stand in judgment of people. It's to love people. It's to welcome people and to realize that we're all in this journey at different points of faith. And some people who walk through our doors aren't even people of faith yet. But you know what? They're going to decide what they believe about Jesus by what they see in you. That's what's going to help them make their decision. Our call isn't to worship anything or anyone other than God, our Father, our Creator, and, and to love Jesus, to love people, and teach people to love Jesus. After all, that's what people judge us on. Do they really believe what they say? Do they just say that they love Jesus, or do they just like the idea that their sins are forgiven? Do they love Jesus in any way that the Bible talks about? And then if there's an answer to that that says, yes, you know what the world does? They look at us and they say, well, how do you treat other people? Do you treat other people like you really care about or you just care about your own? And so what we talk about here all the time is we want to be a church that loves Jesus. We want to be a church that loves people. And we want to be a church that teaches people to love Jesus. That's discipleship. See, if we can focus on that, then we can take our attention off of all the other things that we have to think we're supposed to pay attention to, like judging people and, and worrying, because we know that, come on, he's got the whole world in his hands. And you know what he wants us to do is he wants us to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and to love people the way that he loves us. That's the kind of church that we want to be. That, that's what we began to be 10 years ago. For 10 years, we have made the statement over and over so many different ways. We're going to love Jesus, and we're going to love people, and we're going to teach people to love Jesus because we believe that God really does have the whole world 
in his hands. Let's pray. God, thank you that Jesus takes the time to talk about tough stuff. Because there's a way in every one of these weeks, he's talking to each and every one of us. But none of us like it. It hurts. It's prickly. It's abrasive. We want to overlook that part of ourselves. But God, to truly be a disciple of Jesus, we've got to get these things right. And God, what we want, what we want more than anything, is to be a church that truly does love Jesus, the church that loves people and that teaches people to love Jesus. But it starts with us. It can't start with someone else. We can't be a consumer of worship and be critical of the things that happen on a Sunday morning and still love Jesus. Because worship is all about you, God. When we take time for a message, when we sing songs, it's to grow closer to you, to understand you better, and to draw near to you and worship you because you're worthy of all worship and praise. So God, help us to get that right. Help us to be people who come to worship eager and looking forward to who you are and what it is that you might have for us, what you might do every time that we gather. God, help us to be people that love Jesus, that love other people in a, in a true way, in a way that wants them to go closer to you as well. And then help us to teach people to love Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So that's a tough message, and it's not a fun one to hear, but it's an important one. I want to go back to that verse that we read earlier. For the judgment you pronounce will be judged, uh, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What we put out there is going to come back to us. What if what you put out there was to love Jesus and to love people and to teach people to love Jesus, and that's what came back to you? That's the kind of Christian I want to be. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Let's be those people. The easy part is to be judgmental and critical. The hard part is to love difficult people. It's to love people when they don't deserve to be loved. But you know what? There's probably going to be a day when maybe you're not the most lovable. And wouldn't it be neat if what you were doing is loving people all along and on that day what came back to you was love you probably didn't deserve? Let's be those kind of Christians. Let's be those kind of people. 